I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want to learn more from me, please check out my website, MikeRinald.com. In addition to all my great articles, videos, and podcast episodes, I have a ton of online CEU courses, as well as my inner circle online mentorship and community. Be sure to subscribe to my free newsletter where I'm always sending you great info and exclusive perks and discounts. Just head to MikeRinald.com to get started. Thanks so much. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about joint manipulations, when we use them, if we use them, why we use them, everything you want to know. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. We're up in Massachusetts in Boston at Champion PT Performance. Dan Pope, Lisa Russell, Mike Scaduto, Lenny McCrina, Dave Tilly here answering all of your amazing questions and doing it various ways, right? The listeners, the watchers, the readers, we have all these different ways on, 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 how, on how you can now engage with us, engaging with your engagement. Virtual reality coming soon. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, that would be, that would be amazing. Sitting here. That would be amazing. You sit here with Dave Tilly and answer questions. Yeah. Len, careful choice you are. <laughs> why don't we introduce the students today? We have students today. Yes, we do. We have Austin Riff from Franklin Pierce University. We have uh, Andrew King, also known as King, the uh, from the University of Hartford. And we have Joe Go- Goetti from Virginia Commonwealth University. I completely watched that, by the way. It's nice. Not, Who's nice up today? Andrew Goetti? Goetti. <laughs> that's not uh, your name, is it? No. no yeah, it's not. That's no. not your name. <laughs> no. no I'm never going to not remember that. So. Uh, yeah, way to not correct it, too. Just going with it. Power through. It's like, don't care about you. I like that. It's perfect. All right, Gwetti. All right, Nick from New York asked, what are your opinions on manipulations? Uh, do you use them, and how do you incorporate them into your treatments? Awesome. Uh, Lenny, I feel like you're very manipulative. I like manipulating people. So, all right, so joint, we'll say joint manipulations, not mental manipulations. Oh, then I get up. But, uh, so what's our opinions on joint manips? And uh, do we use them? When do we use them? Stuff like that. So, all right, who does manipulations? Okay. Happens, right? Yeah, it's probably less than we had at one point. Um, Okay, so for those that do manipulations, let's start with that. Um, Like, what do you manipulate and why? And is there anything you won't manipulate? I don't know. I don't know where to start with that. But Mike, you want to start? What are the what are the what are your big joint manips that you perform? Very often times, I'd say ninety percent of the time, it's a thoracic spine, probably a PA manipulation, um, and I'm relying on my assessment techniques to decide if it. I feel like it's a hyper, sorry, hypomobile segment that uh, is limiting their range of motion grossly to either thoracic extension or thoracic rotation or something like that. Um, I think. I try and get a global picture of the patient. Are they more hypomobile in general, or are they a hypo, hypermobile person with excess motion? Typically, I would steer away from a manipulation in that type of person. Nice. Good thought process. I like how you make that decision. So it's not just manip everything. 
It's make sure it's the right person. And, you know, to comment on your thoracic spine manipulation, I mean, if there is an area that, that shows some efficacy in, in the, the, the research, I think thoracic spine manipulations are, are probably one of the bigger ones, right? Lots of good manips, Dan. You probably have some references off the top of your head, but, like, you know, doing a thoracic spine manip to increase overhead mobility and to decrease shoulder pain and stuff, you know, has been shown. So um, I, I think that's a, that's a great one right there. Uh, anything else, Mike, other than thoracic? I don't think so. So I said 90% of the time, it's probably 100% of the manipulations that I do are thoracic spine, but I don't do it 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah, nothing wrong. Yeah, no, that makes that makes perfect sense. How about you, Dan? What Do you manipulate anything else? Uh, every so often, I'll manipulate a cervical spine. A um, couple thoughts here. I mean, it is, I don't think it's risky necessarily. Um, the risk of causing more serious effect is very low, although it can happen. Uh, the one thing I will say is I looked into this myself to figure out just how dangerous this is. And again, it's it's not very risky, but you can also cause problems by doing a mobilization of the neck, right? So I would say that you just have to think about the patient in front of you uh, to figure out whether or not you think you should be doing mobilizations or manipulations of the cervical spine in general. Right. Um, a lot of times for me, the cervical spine is more patient buy-in. So if someone really wants it, they think it'd be beneficial. Um, certain conditions where it might be helpful, things like TMJ um, could be a good one. Someone's calling me right now. Yeah. Wow. TMJ can be a good Somebody one. needs a um, nip real quick. Yeah, cervical <laughs> spine. I thought I'd turn it off. I'm sorry. Um, those can be decent areas, but generally it's for someone who really wants it and I feel is a healthy candidate for it. Um, and then again, it has to fall into the critical reasoning process of whether or not I think there is a, a joint uh, restriction that can be utilized, you know, could be benefit from that. I like that. Um, there was actually a study that showed that there's, I, now I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but I think I wrote a blog post about this a, a while back, that uh, one of the primary factors on whether or not a manipulation was uh, something you should include and would have a successful outcome is the person's perceived um, you know, benefit of the procedure. So meaning if they didn't think it was going to work, it didn't work. And if they did think it was going to work, it did work. Yeah. So I don't even know what that says. We can, we can hack that out a lot, but, yeah. but you said that. Yeah. One of the things I will say really quick is that oftentimes we're thinking, okay, I have to mobilize a stiff segment. That's why I'm using manipulation. Um, what we're probably doing is a short term effect. So again, I don't know that I would manipulate a hypomobile or excuse me, a hypermobile joint, especially if I may cause some sort of injury. But what I'm thinking about when I'm doing a, a manipulation is I'm probably having a neurophysiologic effect, right? And I'm guessing this is one of the reasons why people have less pain reaching overhead, uh, less pain-free grip after manipulation is because globally we cause a change in um, probably sensitivity, right? And these studies are done in pressure pain threshold. Um, that was my research uh, project that I did um, for my uh, graduate degree is that if you manipulate someone's spine, right, let's say it's lumbar spine or thoracic spine or cervical spine, you cause global changes in pressure pain, uh, excuse me, pressure pain threshold. Uh, in other words, you have less pain, your pain threshold goes up, your sensitivity goes down. So if I have someone who has a pain problem and I'm trying to decrease that pain, albeit maybe temporarily, I'm thinking about manipulating um, and not just because I have a stiff segment per se. Right, and you yeah. see here how there's there's so many like levels of clinical reasoning that we're kind of talking about here. That was awesome. Um, any any preference, you know, upper versus lower cervical, sounds like you're not scared of manips. Um, are you afraid of upper cervical or have you already kind of answered that by saying no? 
Uh, I guess not, but it's always in the back of my mind, and I'm doing it very rarely, and I'm doing it in young, healthy people, generally. Right. Um, I'm definitely not doing it in someone who has like cardiovascular disease or, you know, obviously any um, red flags in general. I'm not going to do that, but yeah. yeah. I feel like in my experience with cervical, um, you know, that person that wakes up and they like can't move their head to the right or whatever, whatever direction, they just can't move their head. A lot of them will want to run to a, like a chiropractor or, or anybody, really, and, and try to get that manipulated. But I, I find that if I try to do that too early in the sequence that sometimes it helps like for a second right for a couple hours something like that but then there's like this like reflexive uh kind of spasm and tone that happens from it and it almost gets worse a little bit here so um i i would say what you know i probably i don't manipulate that often i don't manipulate as much as i used to um for cervical manipulations i actually find that I, I avoid it a little bit initially, and then if once they're down and now, okay, the pain and the spasm of the guarding's down, but they still have some hypomobility, then that's when I would probably apply it. And that's, you know, very few and far between, maybe just maybe with my, my patient population too, but like, uh, but I definitely feel like I do it less. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. How about lumbar spine? Anybody do lumbar? Dan does. Yeah, you do. Dan does everything. I, I like it. I don't know. I'm, I'm super unique in this because I, the people that I treat are like hypermobile gymnasts or dancers or things like that. And, you know, I treat a lot of people with spondies. And so I, I've heard of uh, circumstances where they fit the, the clinical prediction rule or they had this acute low back pain that wasn't below their knee, like all this kind of stuff. And they got my nipped. And it's like the worst possible thing they could do. <laughs> right. And I have a lot of people who are hypermobile who, like, when they get taken to enter and you get a lumbar manip, either like gymnasts with different people or whatever like they're like oh, i feel like like you said with the neck i feel better for an hour and then i actually feel much much worse after and so right. you have to kind of use your critical thinking skills about like why is this person having this probably relative hypermobility at their lumbar spine making up for a lack of hip mobility or right. maybe their core is not stiff enough during their activities or whatever so i would say you know you can use them i think if i have like a general poppy uh, patient who has more of like a classic disc issue or something like that it's more in my kind of like options but for most people i'm kind of thinking about some other things first yeah i don't want to say i ever I ever have like strict contraindications. There's only very few rare things that I kind of feel that way about. But like, I I, I kind of think it like in my head. I just I don't want to do lumbar manips anymore. Yeah. And just me personally, I just feel like the majority of times somebody has some pain is there's either some hyper mobility, right, and and or or soft tissue restrictions. But it's not really joint as much in the lumbar spine. So I just I just feel like. And maybe again, maybe it's my patient population, but I just feel like you know that's barking up the wrong tree a lot of times. So I've stopped. I don't do lumbar that much. Uh, yeah, Dan. I was gonna say is if you start looking through the Cochrane reviews about manipulations, they're not that powerful for the average person in front of you for low back pain. Right. So it's not you know to to get rid of that. I don't think is a bad decision, right? right. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, I mean, you know, extremity wise, probably not far off, right? A lot of I think a lot of times like our our joints are hypermobile. Right, not hypomobile. So, you know, a lot of times I think we focus on soft tissue a little bit more here, is what I'd say. Anybody else, uh, anything to add? I, I think Dan nailed it. Um, I don't think I could have said it better. That I don't, I don't really think. I used, I used to be in the world of, oh, I see a lot of hypermobile people. Why would I manip? Are we really making a, a, a segment more hypermobile by a quick manipulation? Like, you're dealing with bone and collagen and everything else there you when we talk about the knee we talk about having to load it low load long duration for hours at a time and all of a sudden we can do a quick thrust to a lumbar spine and we'll get or a thoracic spine and we're creating more mobility are we creating more mobility by stretching tissue 
or by what you said, kind of a neurophysiological response where maybe uh, sensitivity goes down, pain goes down, or the relative, the ability to detect pain goes down so you can do more. I still, I'm in the world of, and maybe it's my patients, that it's a soft tissue issue, meaning muscular tightness. So to me, doing a manip, yeah, I may feel good. I do thoracic manips a little, and it's usually by accident, like doing something on something, and their joint pops. I'm like, oh, sweet. You know, and I treat a lot of hypermobile people. <laughs> no, I, judge. I am, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's my joke is, uh, save you $35 going to another practice. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. I think we, we think about it incorrectly, but the perception that somebody is going to benefit from it, like anything else, if they think it, it's probably going to be more likely to occur like a positive effect. I think anything else, there's a reason why people come in here after going somewhere else and we we don't do anything differently than anybody else, but I feel like our results may be a little bit better, or we, at least I perceive that, because the person thinks they're gonna get better. So you gotta play those mind games. All perception. Le- Lisa, really I, yeah. I, th- I think I saw you say no. That you don't manip. No. Oh, about rowers and stress fractures and the ribs, yeah. that thing, right? I don't. I, <laughs> well, well, why? Why don't you manip? I have way more success in getting people to feel better with soft tissue and teaching them like self mobility, breathing, like any right. of that kind of stuff. Because yeah. you get, I mean, rowers get low back pain, like mid. I mean, they'll come to me and say, like, oh man, can you just like crack my back? Like, it just, I'm so mm-hmm. stiff. Yeah. It's like, well, you're stiff because your muscles are all tight because you're really tired. And, right, right. you know, it's not, it, I get way more success in hitting the soft tissue and doing mobility work than manipulating anything. Yeah. So yeah. I, I haven't spent the time to get good at it, so I don't really do it. Yeah, um, I, I think a lot of people have that barrier. It's a little bit harder technically to manip. Yeah. So a lot of people have that barrier. So I, I guess I guess I'd end it like this. Uh, a lot of people don't manip, and they seem to be doing fine, mm-hmm. right? So clearly you don't need to manip, right? Or, or, you know, a lot of people think manipulations help them achieve their goals faster too. That's great too. Um, I, I guess I would just end with what I've been doing lately a little bit more is I think I will put people at end range of motion. So yeah. whether it be cervical, lumbar, so even like a joint, end range of motion, and then work a little bit in that position, whether it's soft tissue, whether it's a you know deep, deep breath, whatever it may be, in that end range position. And maybe even do like a grade three, four kind of like joint mode. And if in, in my mind, if they cavitate at that point, so they have like a, 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 a pop that they have from there, then I don't need to do a thrust which is, I think, the question. I don't need to do a thrust there. They cavitated it with a grade three, four minute because I put them at end range. In my mind, I think that means they got it, right? Versus me, like, I can just go, well, bam, and just, you know, crack everything. But I feel like the majority of the time we end up manipulating the hypermobile joints and the hypomobile one doesn't actually... I think there's research for that too, that grade four and uh, they controlled half and half. And some got high grade three, grade four, some got manips and they both did fine. Right. There's only one thing though, that if you think you needed the manip, yeah, the grade right, four right. doesn't work. Right. It's kind of interesting. So I like to, if it goes, it goes. And in my mind, then you got that one segment that, that needed to go because you put it in the right position and you gently worked on it and it, and it, and it manipulated. So I think that's kind of how we do it here. We're not against it, but I, I don't think it's a big part of, of our practice here. And again, I think, I think we're doing fine. I know a lot of other people that's like kind of their bread and butter and they do great with it too so it's definitely a, a skill set you should look into but you know um you know i think it depends a lot on your patient population right so uh great so another good question appreciate it head to micron.com click on that podcast link and you fill out the form to ask us questions and we'll keep doing this right mike see you on the next episode thanks so much for listening to the podcast 
If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeReynolds.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.